Well, we're uh, recording, everybody. Make sure not to say any cuss words. Gentlemen, I'm going to show you five different images of groups of stars. Three of them have the Big Dipper within that body of stars. As we go through, I want you to tell me what group of stars you are looking at and when the Big Dipper appears. Okay? Uh, sure, yeah. Number one. Is this a Big Dipper or no? That is not no. what I believe to be the Big Dipper, no. Okay, I will say there are no lines on this. It's just stars. My, my brain cannot pick up a pattern that says Big Dipper. Okay, then what are you looking at? A trapezoid. The age of Aquarius. Okay. Number two. I bet it's in there somewhere. Yeah, that's a big one. This one's more like an isosceles triangle. I think that, that one's got some Big Dipper. Yeah. Number three. Okay, I'm, I'm going to call it. This one's the Big Dipper. It's got to be. It's got it's so much dip. More of a square than a rhombus. And there's an extra little dot after okay. the square. And that's what that to me says Big Dipper. Sure. So number one, Aquarius. Number two, Big Dipper. Number three, Big Dipper. Number four. The biggest dipper. I don't see anything. Oh, now. I can't just I can't say you say that three out of these five have the Big Dipper. Well, I'm garbage without that app. You can point your phone at the, t- at the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just spending a lot of time looking at this guy. I found about uh, four or five Big Dippers. <laughs> I'm going to go with Joe on this one. I'm going to say that's nude descending the stairs. And big number dipper. five. That's the Big Dipper. That's the first picture again. That's the third picture. It is again. not. Are you that's sure? neither the first or third picture sure. again. I don't think it's the Big Dipper. I think that's the Big Dipper. Okay. This proves a suspicion I've had for a long time. And that suspicion is that stars are bullshit. Because none of these were the Big Dipper. It's just stars. Everything's always just been stars in the sky. And we, we just make up these patterns and none of it matters. And we're all going to die alone. I'm really happy for you that you um, you came to that conclusion. I'm mostly just mad that he lied. Yeah. I mean, never trust a man in a white tuxedo. It's true. What are you, like some kind of a waiter serving lies? This is Deep Dive Divas. Each episode, myself and a guest diva listen to every blessed studio album by an artist of their choosing and share our findings with you. My guest today is Dan. Dan is a wonderful husband and father, not to me, but to someone else. He is the most excellent guitar player I have ever met, and you can and should check out his music using the show notes below. Dan, I asked you, who do you want to talk about on my show? And you said... Built to Spill. Sure did. What interested you in doing a deep dive on Built to Spill? Uh, well, I'd, I'd always, uh, I'd say about maybe 10 years ago, I heard the song Carry the Zero, and it blew me away. It just gave me all the feels. You love it, zeros. It made my heart explode with, 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 with sadness and the roundness. Stuff. So then, you know, like five years later, I was like, huh, that song's pretty good, but what's, what's the rest of that album? 
the album uh, Keep It Like a Secret. I, uh, I gave it a proper whirl. I've loved that album for like five years, but I've never been like, yeah, let me just, just build a spill band. Let me just see what they're all about. Instead of that, I kind of uh, wandered into other indie stuff from the 90s, your Super Chunks, your... Um, uh, Super Chunk, that's it. Are you pleased with yourself having come out of this this proyecto, as uh, some people south of the border might say? Can you rephrase the question? Are you happy that you listen to every blessed album by the artists of your choosing? Uh, frankly, I think I would have enjoyed myself a lot more if I had done it over a longer period of time and when I felt like it rather than as a chore. But To be fair, you, you signed on for this in June. <laughs> It's true. It's not your fault. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming anybody but myself. For the homelessness, it's November. Let's let's think and talk about Built to Spill now. That seems like the right thing to do. That does sound like the uh, reason for this program, mostly. Well, who am I to go against the reasons behind this program? You invented it. You could, you could do whatever you want. Would you believe me if I told you Built to Spill was formed in Boise, Idaho in 1992? Sure would. That's good, because that's a fact. Although I don't have a lot to go on based on your credibility, because you, you did tell me that five pictures were the Big Dipper when they, in fact, were not. Since their inception in 1992, Built to Spill has influenced a plethora, a cornucopia, a urethra of other bands, such as Modest Mouse, Death Cab for Cutie, even... Those boys from New York City, The Strokes. And what all of these acts have in common is they fall under the purview of indie rock and roll. What is indie rock and roll, Dan? Oh, uh, that's a loaded question at this point in time. That, that word doesn't what really do you mean, mean by a lot anymore. What do you mean by loaded? Uh, well, many things are currently referred to as indie rock right now that are probably not terribly independent. You know, they're probably funded by large labels and such, and they're put on radio stations for mass uh, enjoyment. For mass? Yes, mass. For Sunday mass. For, for the Sabbath. Christ has come. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Amen. Amen. Would you like me to finish answering that question? Or? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, look, I'm not learned uh, on these these here book learning things, but I believe indie rock was a, a term for independent uh, rock, alternative rock music born out of many uh, counterculture and uh, you know 
subculture movements uh, in which the DIY scenes, post you know punk and such, uh, they kind of uh, these people that didn't have a lot of money or resources that they made music that the labels didn't want to promote or didn't want to put money into, said screw you man, I'm gonna make it myself, and then they did it, and a lot of it's pretty good, a lot of it sucks. Uh, that's how you got uh, you know, Discord Records, Fugazi uh, uh, founded a whole record label founded on the idea that you know shows should be five dollars and no one should really give a fuck about money and it's all about the music man and then it's about the music man it's about the music man the show the music you're right i am indie rock some might argue goes back to the 1970s between the u.s and the uk there are artists playing rock and roll music but they don't want to buy into what is popular at the time and emulate what is popular on the radio and you have as you described sort of a counterculture movement to what is hip and in in the 1970s and oftentimes because they rejected the norm indie rock kind of became a synonym for alternative rock that has changed over time to as you described being independent as in not a label so originally those indie bands actually could be on major labels over time especially once we get into the 1990s it carries on um, much more of a do-it-yourself sort of ethos where you're making the record yourself you don't need no stinking record company to distribute your um, records you don't need them to organize a tour for you you're going to load up in a van with your buddies and your band and you are going to go to college campuses and play in basements and sell albums of you know the trunk of your car i mentioned death cab for cutie and modest mouse and the strokes they all fall under this umbrella term of indie rock all of them are funded by major labels yes yeah so that term as you described has kind of become not so useful anymore well it describes music that is influenced by music that had previously been independent like Built to Spill, for example. Sure. Yeah. And Built to Spill, I would, I would contend that they are one of the most influential indie rock bands of the early 1990s. I wouldn't contest you on that. Good. Sounds right. Before there's Built to Spill, you have two groups called Tree People and the Halo Benders, which a young man named Doug Marsh. Who? March? I think it's March, yeah. M-A-R-T-S-H. Gotta be German. Polish? Gotta be Polish. Did we just listen to nine albums of Nazi music? And Tree People and the Halo Benders are split between Seattle and Boise, Idaho. So Doug March is plopping back and forth between these two cities and playing indie rock in these small clubs and, you know, trying to make a living that way. And eventually he will come in 1992 to create the group Built to Spill. And from its inception, he envisions a rotating cast behind him, meaning he does not really want permanent band members. From the beginning, he wants to have new blood coming in every couple of albums or so. So with this in mind, he picks up the first two sacrificial lambs who he knows are not going to make it in the long run. He picks up Brett Netson and Ralph Utes. He will later marry Ralph Utes' sister, Karina, and uh, for much of Built to Spill's career, they will write uh, lyrics together. And they're playing together for about a year when they start to record their debut album, Ultimate Alternative Waivers, in 1993. Time out. Yeah. I can't get a feel for tone. Is this slapstick silly or is it serious? Okay. 
So you can interject shit whenever you want. Okay, I can't. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes I can't tell if I'm supposed to be stupid or smart. Um, you can be whatever you want, babe. Alright. Okay. Be smart, but don't be embarrassed if you're actually stupid. Cool, cool. When we first got into this project, you said, I think I picked up on something that no one else picked up on. Could you describe what that was? No, because you made me feel like a dummy after I told you about it. It's only because I read about it. <laughs> You're I like, oh, I read it on the internet. I so. didn't pick up on it myself. Wow. You did. You heard this song and you're like, I know what this is from. This and is I think that's pretty neat. So could you tell everyone what it is? You read a book, Dan. I did. I read, you guys. I read books. I happen to be reading the uh, Philip K. Dick book, uh, Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said, which is about a, a man who... Uh, is in this kind of weird dystopian future. Uh, he's an entertainer, but he, he somehow loses his identity. Uh, he doesn't exist anymore. And the the song, uh, as an entertainer, that uh, he had out on record that ceased to exist was called Nowhere Nothing Fuck Up. And eventually, towards the end of the book, spoiler alert, book from like 1972 or some shit, uh, he, the song exists again and it's on record. And it's like his big number one hit. And that's how he knows that he's back in reality again in his own his own timeline it's it's an okay book but uh, i love the synchronicity of being like while i happen to be diving into this album and reading this book at the same time by no i no choice it wasn't it was it was not an act of choice praise him praise be so in addition to this title coming from philip k dick's book he also borrows lyrics from the Velvet Underground's Oh Sweet Nothing. What a heck. To such a degree that Lou Reed gets songwriting credit on that song. <laughs> so that on this first album, there are 10 tracks. Six out of those 10 tracks are over five minutes long, which for a 90s rock group exceeds the traditional time limit. A lot of rock music and indie rock at that time was very pop centric. Like their, their songwriting styles, their structures were very verse, chorus, verse, chorus, mm -hmm. uh, guitar solo ending. Um, I think like the Rembrandts, I'll be there for you. It wasn't unusual for nobodies to have a hit at this time. So I think Built to Spill was already going against the grain because a lot of these songs are not really written to be on a sitcom or a, a commercial or what have you. They're trying to make hard art. They're trying to make you work for it a little bit. Um, and I think sometimes it pays off. And this first record, speaking of paying off, pays off. They start to garner a bit of a following. And immediately after Ultimate Alternative Waivers, uh, the very following year in 1994, they put out There's Nothing Wrong With Love. I'm going to go ahead and just, just, just fanboy gush over this one. I actually really love this album a lot. They put out this first record, this three-piece, People like it, and March immediately kicks out Brett Nutson and Ralph Yutes. Well, he said he was planning to, right? <laughs> sure, but right off the bat. I mean, it's been months since the first record came out, well, and he said, bye, in, guys. In his defense, there are multiple tracks on the first album that I personally identified as out of time where the drummer was losing time multiple so you think they deserved it i think at least the drummer yeah the, the drummer on the first album he he, he it's a he, package deal one of you goes off time you rhythm both section here. peace here's the thing he replaces brett netson with brett nelson oh that's a prick move and andy caps replaces ralph utes which is not that similar but it's also not that dissimilar <laughs> did 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 the previous backing band like you know split off and do their own band called like built to stay upright 
I guess built to still would kind of imply that. But it's not gonna, yeah. This record also has a decent amount of success. Again, it is not really getting played on anything but college radio. But for this specific slice of indie rock stardom, they are getting noticed. To such a degree that they actually um, end up on Beavis and Butthead. Uh, the song In the Morning makes it on there. And like every music video that was ever on Beavis and Butthead, uh, it gets shredded. Of course. Unless it's like Pantera. Right. Yeah. right. I don't think it's good if they like your song. <laughs> mm, yeah. Retrospectively, this album will be ranked number 24 on Pitchfork's top 100 albums of the 1990s. Would you agree with that? You, you really enjoy it? Would, do you I, don't think know that's what the, I don't know what the first 23 were, uh, but I think it's a wonderful album. Let me list them for you. Okay. We don't have time for that. Again, this album has quite a few long songs, kind of goes against the grain of what is popular in 1990s music. But, but, but it's got pop style jams. Absolutely. Dystopian Dream Girl, you got your car, got, uh, and even, even the longer ones like... Um, Big Dipper is a perfectly good pop song. Yeah, for sure. I love pop songs that have a guitar solo in it, so Big Dipper's got that going for it. I think this album also, in addition to the pop, just ha- 